Welcome to episode 9 of Fireside Football presented by Empire Sports Media. You are here with Brendan and Dylan. If you haven't given us a follow on Twitter already, you can find me at Brendan Carp ESM and Dylan at Dylan Price 27. Dylan, how are you doing today? I'm doing great, Brendan. Excited to do the AFC North. How are you doing? I'm doing great, and starting with the Bengals, I would like to start with them. Uh, 2-14 and 14 last year, but they have nowhere to go but up. They have new rookie quarterback in Joe Burrow, who I am uh, very excited for. He had a great season at LSU, one of the best seasons in college football history from a quarterback. And this offense, man, this offense is newly renovated, and I think they can be pretty good. Uh, talking about, you know, Joe Burrow, a quarterback. They have the running back duo of Joe Mixon and Giovanni Bernard. Wide receiver, they have A.J. Greenback, Tyler Boyd, and new draftee T. Higgins. The only iffy part for me out of skill positions is at tight end. Their number one tight end is C.J. Uzoma, who is an okay tight end. He's not one of the more proven options on this offense, but asking you, Dylan, how do you feel about this offense moving forward? I... I'm gun-shy on going all the way in liking this offense. I like what they've done so far on their offensive line. I like Jonah Williams a lot. Unfortunately, last year he missed time, so he didn't get to really show himself and what he could do. Billy Price as well, a guy from Ohio State a few years ago. I like him. So both of those guys are two young cornerstones. You had Michael Jordan, Xavier Suofilo, and Bobby Hart. Five guys I like in terms of offensive linemen. So their offensive line, I think, is kind of set at this point in time. Unless Jonah or Billy Price or Michael Jordan, three young guys, don't really pan out. So that part of it is set for me. I'm not really got a lot to say about that. Running back, Joe Mixon, I think he's a talented back. I think that even with the revolving door of quarterbacks they've had in the past, other than Andy Dalton and Ryan Finley last year, it's been Andy Dalton, but revolving door in terms of quarterback play is kind of how I want to put it. It's been inconsistent, and despite that, Joe Mixon has continued to put up good numbers, so I think he's going to have a very good year, especially with that offensive line. So Bernard behind him. Talented back, Travion Williams, I like him as well. So their running back room and their offensive line, love it. Tight end group, not high on it at all. Wide receiver group, could be very good if all three of their premier guys stay healthy, and now they have T. Higgins to kind of solidify things. This offense is contingent on Joe Burrow not struggling early and Zach Taylor taking a step in his second year as a head coach. If Joe Burrow comes in and he's guns a-blazing, picking up right where he left off at LSU, this offense could be really solid. But at this point in time, I think it's going to take a while for him and Zach Taylor to kind of mesh together. And especially with no preseason, you're not going to see that kind of mesh in terms of him learning the offense and him really getting things in terms of on-field experience before the regular season. So I think that there's going to be some hiccups there early. But at some point, this offense could be very, very good this season. Yeah, I'm a little concerned about Joe Burrow because he had a great season at LSU but as you said he hasn't really had the opportunity to mesh with the people around him that he should have had if it were regular offseason but you know you touched on you know there's going to be some hiccups early and that's you know, that's expected really out of any rookie quarterback that's being thrown into the fire right away but you know I hope he picks it up at some point I hope that listen to me saying picks up as if he's already struggling but I hope he plays well because I feel like the Bengals fans deserve it. They deserve—I mean, they had Andy Dalton, 
who wasn't a bad quarterback really by any means. They made the playoffs, but they never did anything in the playoffs. And I think they deserve a quarterback who can get them a couple of wins at least in the playoffs. I mean, Andy Dalton was a pretty good regular season quarterback, but they never got anything done in the playoffs. And, you know, hopefully Joe Burrow can do that for them. I know there's so many high expectations about this guy, but, you know, really he only had one good season as a college quarterback. He was a backup at Ohio State. He was he was a two-year starter, I believe, at LSU once he transferred, but his first season there, he was okay, nothing spectacular, and then this season was just obviously one for the ages, but you know, one college, one good college football season necessarily doesn't mean that he's going to have a good NFL career, let alone rookie season, but you know, I, I wish all the best for him, and I hope he does perform. Aside from the offense, on defense, they did make some big upgrades. They got cornerback Trey Waynes, cornerback Mackenzie Alexander, safety Von Bell, and defensive tackle DJ Reader, to name a few. This defense definitely made some upgrades, and their defense hasn't been spectacular in the past. Do you see this defense making a jump to potentially be at least a middle-of-the-road defense. I do. I think that this defense has potential next season to be a mid-level defense. Do I think that they're going to be a top one? No. Do I think that this defense is better, in my opinion, than their offense? Yes, actually. I like their defensive line. Dunlap, Atkins, Reeder, Sam Hubbard, very good pieces. Carl Lawson can also be you know, a rotational pass rusher for them or rush him off at linebacker as well. So, good group there. Their secondary, much improved. Much credit to them. Trey Waynes, very nice addition. Von Bell, nice addition. And then, in terms of around that group, you have Jesse Bates, William Jackson, Mackenzie Alexander. So, a good core nucleus in terms of that secondary and defensive line. But, although linebackers is not the most important position in football... I maybe I'm sleeping on these guys, but Jermaine Pratt, Logan Wilson, Josh Bynes, not three guys I'd feel comfortable with kind of quarterbacking my defense at linebacker. So that's the part of it that I'm reluctant to put them in terms of a top defense. But I would say, you know, 15 to 17 range is a reasonable expectation for them. And there's some guys on this defense that could step up and change that a little bit. But I don't see them having a breakthrough year, just like their offense. I don't see their offense being incredible, but I think it'll be middle of the road, like a middle of the road team. Now, I'm curious because you're not very high on this team, it seems. I'm a little bit higher on them. I think Joe, I don't think they're going to be a playoff team. I think they're going to have I mean, you know, they were 2-14 and 14 last year. I think they get at least four or five wins. Um, but, you know, this, this team, their first four games, the first quarter of the season, they're home against the Chargers, away against the Browns, away against the Eagles, and home against the Jaguars. Now, I'm not going to do the first five because, you know, after that they're away against the Ravens, and I think we both agree that game's going to go one way. But those first four games aren't a terrible first four for a rookie quarterback in Joe Burrow who... I think has all the tools to be a good starting quarterback, but I'm curious, what is your record prediction for this team? 
I've kind of gone back and forth. You know, you just talked about those first four games. I actually have them going 3-1 and one in those first four games. The only loss I have them taking there is Philadelphia. I think they'll beat Cleveland. I think they'll beat Los Angeles and Jacksonville. So great stretch for them there. But after that, I see them struggling more. And I ended up having them finish at 6-10, and 10, which I actually think is optimistic for this team. I think they have the pieces to kind of have a nucleus and a direction at this point. But I, I'm just reluctant to give them, you know, the big push to, you know, a big jump unless Joe Burrow is lights out early. But I think Joe Burrow is going to be one of those guys that you look at in sort of a Kyler Murray spot this year as somebody who could take the jump in 2021. So further down the road, this team will be better in my eyes. But right now, I have them at six and ten next season. So six and ten, I think, is a little bit generous. I have them around five and eleven, but. In order for them to get anywhere near that, they're going to have to have a nice connection between Joe Burrow and his number one wide receiver in A.J. Green, who is going to play this season, is expected to, but we don't know if he's going to be there in the future, so that could, down the road, hurt Burrow's productivity with this team, but, you know, A.J. Green is my player to watch on offense. A young quarterback, well, really any quarterback, but specifically a young quarterback needs that proven number one wide receiver. And when A.J. Green plays, he is one of the top receivers in the NFL. He is a very good player, very skilled. He can win the jump balls. He can, you know, get around you with his legs if he needs to. But he's a great receiver, and he didn't play last year. So people have, I think, forgotten a little bit just how good he is. So, you know, it's going to be key for him to be on the field and playing with Burrow at a high level. Do you agree? Do you think Burrow is the player to watch? Do you think A.J. Green? Who do you have here? So I do think that the connection between Burrow and Green is going to be essential to break Burrow into football, but at some point, or professional football for that matter, but at some point I do think A.J. Green is going to bowl because I don't see him as being the kind of guy who you desperately need to kind of anchor a rebuild. I think he's at the point in time where he could be going to a contending team, and their core behind him is not bad. John Ross, Tyler Boyd, T. Higgins, if Ross is healthy... And then you even have Auden Tate and Alex Erickson in there. That's a good group. I really like their wide receiver group. So at some point, maybe Green leaves, but you're right. In terms of breaking him in, I think Burrow and Green's connection needs to be good. Although I like their wide receiver room, none of them are my player to watch. Neither is their tight end room, running back room. I'm going for Jonah Williams. Not a crazy name here, Brendan, but he was a top tackle just a year ago. He got hurt last year, didn't have a lot of on-the-field time, but I think next season, the left tackle spot is all his. He doesn't have to compete, it's his, he's going into it, and there's going to be growing pains, obviously, but Jonah Williams is going to be crucial to Joe Burrow's success, because if Jonah Williams doesn't pan out, then Joe Burrow is going to get a lot of defenders in his face, and he's going to struggle to do anything, because looking at that LSU offensive line last year, it was pretty solid. If he can't have that time in the pocket to navigate things, I don't think he's going to have success. So Jonah Williams is my player to watch because he's going to be crucial to Joe Burrow's success, and I think that coming off an injured year, I'm going to be excited to see how he plays. Yeah, I mean, he's going to be key, no doubt, because Joe Burrow showed in college that, yeah, he can make plays with his legs and he can get outside of the pocket, but it's a whole different animal when you're going against uh, NFL defensive linemen and pass rush. I mean, they're just so much faster, and they're so much quicker to get to you and it's going to be really difficult if he doesn't have that solidified offensive line for defense though my player to watch isn't a new name here it's Geno Atkins he's been a longtime Bengal 
He's been very good for the Bengals, but last year he had just four and a half sacks. That's the third lowest in a season of his 10-year career. He had 10 the year before, just four and a half last year. So he's going to have to improve that number and really get back to being that extremely dominant defensive lineman for this for this team and for this defense to really go anywhere. What about you? I'm looking at Sam Hubbard, eight and a half sacks last year, 76 tackles, one forced fumble. He was pretty dominant in the backfield consistently. I like him. I think that he even closed the season off strong. He had a sack in all five games, a sack and a half actually in the last game, but a sack in all five games to close out the season. He was starting to develop more, and for so long at Ohio State, he was alongside good edge rushers. I mean, they've been throwing out good edge rushers it seems like forever between Joey Boza Nick Boza even though Nick was out for a little and Chase Young those are the premier Ohio State guys but Sam Hubbard's not getting enough attention and I think this season he's going to earn it a little more all right so you had the Bengals at six and ten that is the record that the Browns had last year and for many people this Browns team has been somewhat of a disappointment they have tons of talent on the offense and you know, a couple, was it two years ago? Uh, Max Kellerman had them in the Super Bowl, I believe, if I'm remembering that correctly. And, I mean, that's just, they haven't even come close to that. And, you know, Baker Mayfield last year, 3,827 yards, 22 touchdowns, but 21 interceptions. 21 interceptions. That's way too many interceptions. And no team can succeed with a quarterback turning the ball over over 20 times. I mean, that's just... That is way too much. So, I mean, before we get to the full Browns team here, do you see Baker Mayfield improving on his numbers? Do you see him, you know, declining a little bit, or do you see him staying the same? I see him staying the same and maybe even a little decline. And I'm sorry, it's not a personal vendetta. Maybe it is a little bit, but it's not a personal vendetta against Baker. It's just a matter of the kind of changes he's had to undergo. I mean, he went from Freddie Kitchens now to um, Stefanski. So, big jump in terms of the way they run their offense because they're very very different coaches and I think that that's going to show early in terms of Mayfield adjusting and just like you know we just talked about Burrow going to have the struggles to mesh with um, Zach Taylor I think that you're going to see that with Mayfield because he's adjusting to a new coach and he's still young and I think that well he's still young in football years and I think that at this point in time Mayfield's going to have some trouble bleh, trouble adjusting, and I'm kind of at struggle for words here because I do feel bad kind of downgrading Baker because I do think that Baker is electrifying when he's on, and I said that when he was coming out of college. He was one of my top three quarterbacks in that class. I liked him a lot, but I think that at this point, Lamar's jumped in front of the group. I wrote an article about it. Lamar's jumped in front of the group. Allen and Darnold have a little bit to prove next year in terms of earning that third con- or earning another contract. But Baker has the most to prove in my opinion in the third year because Baker's got all the resources. Allen just got a new receiver. His offensive line was retooled last year. Darnold doesn't even have that number one receiver yet, but just got his offensive line retooled. And Lamar's got everything going for him. Baker's got everything going for him, but nothing to prove it. So it's time, Baker Mayfield, to step up or step out. Yeah, for those reasons exactly, Baker Mayfield is my offensive player to watch. I mean, he's just he's the backbone of this offense. He is electrifying when he's on. There's no doubt about that. You are 100% right making that point. And, 
you know, if he's on, they'll win, as he showed in his rookie season. He was much better in his rookie season in his, you know, less playing time. And this year, this past year, he just wasn't as good. So he's definitely going to have to turn down on his interceptions. And that's really going to be the make or break uh, part of this team. Aside from Baker Mayfield, though, let's talk about the players around him. They did add in free agency Case Keenum, right tackle Jack Conklin, cornerback Kevin Johnson, safety Carl Joseph, Adrian Claiborne, fullback Andy Janovich, safety Andrew Sandejo, and tight end Austin Hooper, to name some. Now, the name that I want to focus on here is Austin Hooper because he was a good tight end for the Falcons, and he seems to be an upgrade for the Browns at this position. Do you see Austin Hooper being one of the top tight ends in football this year? Or do you see him being somewhat of a disappointment? I think Cooper is going to be one of the top tight ends in football. As you see with Lamar Jackson and Mark Andrews, and I hate to keep going back to the Lamar Jackson comparison, but Mark Andrews elevates Lamar Jackson's game, and I think Austin Hooper is going to be able to do that. Not a knack on David Njoku, but he hasn't been able to work well to this point with Baker Mayfield, and I think that that's why it'd be better for both sides to part ways. But for Austin Hooper... Last season, he was very, very good. I mean, in my opinion, before he went down with an injury towards the end of the year, he was one of my top fantasy players on most of my teams. But I think in football, he was consistently putting up good numbers every week. And I think that he is in that conversation of one of the top tight ends. And I think that he could solidify himself underratedly next year. Do you see him being the top target for Baker Mayfield, or do you see him going back to Odell and Odell maybe having a better season? You know, actually, it's funny, because everyone always says Odell's had a down year. He went over 1,000 yards again, but he definitely needs to upgrade his numbers and his usage and his catches. And So do you see him being the number one option, or do you see it being Austin Hooper? Uh, I still would say Odell, but I think that Austin's going to be a safety net for him, because If you look at the way Matt Ryan navigated things last year, Julio obviously is first target, and then Calvin Ridley kind of there as well. So you have those two, and then you had Austin Hooper, his red zone threat safety net. I think you're going to see that kind of trajectory carry over to the Browns, where Odell will be his first kind of weapon, Jarvis will be the Calvin Ridley of this equation, and then Austin Hooper is going to be the safety net. And I think that if you look at the way Baker plays, more often than not, he needs a safety net. So I think that he is going to benefit with the Austin Hooper addition, but I don't think Baker will step up. But in terms of Austin Hooper's game, he's going to get a lot more targets. I do think it'll be Odell, Hooper, then Landry in terms of targets, though. No, I already spoke about my offensive player to watch in Baker Mayfield, but I never gave you a chance to say yours. So who was your offensive player to watch? Uh, I, you know what? I'm going to go Odell. I, I feel like there's a lot of eyes on him because last year was quiet for Odell for a change, if I'm not mistaken. I thought he was pretty quiet. And I, I put it on him to have a good year, even though I think that, I mean, he did his thing last year, 1,000 yards, Jarvis Landry played solid football as well, in my opinion. I mean, he had 1,000 yards too last year. He actually had more yards than Odell and more targets. I think that Landry is going to have a little bit of a back step this year, but I think that Odell's going to take a step forward and get back to kind of the Odell a little more that we saw in New York. And I just, I'd watch him, but I'm really looking at Baker because I don't know if Baker is going to be able to 
handle all these new additions and get everything to mesh without a preseason. Who are you watching on defense? On defense, uh, I'm going to look at Grant Delpit, actually. I loved the addition. Him and Greedy Williams, they've played football together before, and when they were together, that LSU secondary, people forget. The year before, the Joe Burrow hype and that offense was the most talked about thing in Louisiana. Grant Delpit and Greedy Williams were talked about as two star defensive players. I mean, Grant Delpit was talked about prior to this year as one of the top safeties in all of college football and was definitely going to be a first-round pick. He slipped immensely in the draft, in my opinion, from where he should be valued because he has issues tackling. But when him and Greedy Williams were able to play off each other at LSU, then you add Denzel Ward into the equation and Carl Joseph. That secondary scares me, Brendan. Yeah, I have the same exact pick here for defense. I have Brent Delpit, who was, as you said, great for LSU. Has some issues tackling, but I think that he's going to be a big part of this secondary in Cleveland. So let's move on here to the Steelers. They were a surprising, at least to me, 8-8 eight and eight last year with their quarterback carousel. Now they're getting Ben Roethlisberger back. Being that they went 8-8 eight and eight without him, is this a playoff team with Big Ben back under center? Absolutely. I thought that the fact that with Duck Hodges, they were competitive. Ben Roethlisberger coming back on a revenge tour with now Eric Ebron, two to throw two. Uh, He's going to have Chase Claypool, who I think is going to be dangerous for that offense. I like Ben Roethlisberger this year, and I like the Steelers offense, and I like the Steelers team as a whole, actually. Now, you don't have them winning the division, right? You have them as a wild card? Uh, yeah, I have them as a wild card. I think that they're going to compete for a wild card spot. They can make some noise in the playoffs, but I don't have them winning the division. All right, I thought we were going to have an extremely hot take here with the Steelers winning the division. It's going to be closer than but you anyway. think in my eyes, though. What's your record prediction? I have them at 10-6. and six. Okay, so okay, I was going to ask what you have for the Ravens, but we'll get <laughs> that. <laughs> so, as you said, they got Eric Ebron. They also signed offensive lineman Steven Wisniewski, defensive end Chris Wormley, running back Wendell Smallwood, which actually happened in the past couple days, fullback Derek Watt, and cornerback Breon Borders. So this team had some additions on offense mostly, and we will be looking forward to seeing Big Ben back on our center. However, they did lose quarterback Artie Burns, center B.J. Finney, fullback Roosevelt Nix, who actually last episode... I said had a fantastic name, and I'm sticking with that. Love that name, Roosevelt Knicks. They also signed safety, excuse me, they lost safety, Sean Davis, defensive tackle, Javon Hargrave, and Nick Vanette. So they did lose more than they gained, but I don't think it's going to affect that team all that much in wins and losses. So I'm curious, is Big Ben your player to watch? Because he is mine. Yes, I, I think I'll go with Chase Claypool for the sake of differentiating from you here a little bit. But that's because I think Chase Claypool could be a tight end, wide receiver hybrid kind of freak. Kind of like a better Quincy Inunua, in my opinion. Because I thought Inunua had the potential to be at that level. But obviously injuries have changed his career trajectory. But he could be what Quincy Inunua was for the Jets offense to the Steelers offense. And that could be something dangerous to pair with Ben Roethlisberger. But yeah, Ben Roethlisberger would be my distinct player to watch, though. Because I think he's going to be on a revenge tour this year. I mean, he hit the gym... I think Ben Roethlisberger is going to be dangerous. All right, so on the spot here, what are your statistic predictions for Ben Roethlisberger? Uh, do, 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 do. Um, 
I'm going to look here. You know what? I'll give you a yes and no here. Will he get over 4,000 yards? Uh, I'll go... You know what? I'll go, yeah. I'll go over 4,000 yards, and I think that he'll go around 30 touchdowns, and I think he's going to be a little more dangerous this year, or risky, so maybe 18 interceptions. There's a little bit more of a distinct prediction. So 4,030-18. That's, that's not bad for a quarterback who... Uh... Just missed the whole season, and that's definitely still going to be an upgrade, at least touchdown-wise, for the Steelers' offense going forward. On defense, though, I have a very exciting player. Not a new player, a player that I think everybody knows, free safety Minka Fitzpatrick. When he came over to Pittsburgh from the, from, uh, excuse me, from the Dolphins, he was electrifying. He was fantastic for the Steelers. He had one of the best season, half a seasons, really, with the Steelers that I've ever seen. And he really changed the back end of that defense and that defense as a whole. And he really made that team a fun one to watch. I mean, do you see Minka Fitzpatrick having that kind of impact again? Or do you see him going somewhat back to his Dolphins production and his Dolphins, uh, yeah, his Dolphins production? Honestly, even his Dolphins production is was kind of slept on. I thought that because that team had been and sorry to take a shot at Adam Gase here, actually not really that sorry, but Adam Gase kind of hindered his production similar to the way I think he hindered every other piece on that team that has stepped out since they've either left him or been without his coaching. I think that that's kind of the way Minka Fitzpatrick grew because he's a star player, and star players deserve to be respected, and as you saw with the Jamal Adams trade this week and all the stuff that's said about him, seems like Adam Gase doesn't give a lot of respect unless he thinks it's ultimately 110% earned. So Mika Fitzpatrick, I think that last season was not a fluke. I think that he is a talented safety, and I think that he is going to put up some pretty big numbers next year and kind of continue on this trajectory of playing very, very high-level football because he's only 23. He's not even reached what could be his prime yet, and he's already playing very, very good football. I think that that's going to be something he can replicate next season. Where do you rank him among the league's top safeties? I'd say top three. I Really top three? I, in my eyes, I have Jamal, Derwin, James, and Minka Fitzpatrick as my top three. All right, so uh, is it safe for me to guess that you have Fitzpatrick as your player to watch? Actually, well? no. I'm going to go with a, the other Watt brother. I'm going to go with TJ Watt here. For so long, it seemed like he's been the lesser Watt brother. Last season, 14 and a half sacks. He's been more productive than his brother because of his brother's injuries, and I think that he's stepped out of that shadow finally. And unlike JJ, I think TJ has made it a point that he has been consistent in as well in terms of being on the field and being a force. I think that he is going to continue to run rampant around this league right now. And I think that him, Mika Fitzpatrick, Bud Dupree, Devin Bush, I like this defense a lot, Brendan. I like this team a lot, actually. Yes, yeah, so do I. And I'm going to be happy to see Big Ben back on the field. I mean, he's just such a joy to watch on the field, let alone, you know, he's huge. He's so hard to sack. And He's a Super Bowl winner, and any team is going to welcome that back. I mean, there's no way that you can say you'd rather have Mason Rudolph running that team than Ben Roethlisberger. And if you can go 8-8 eight and eight with Rudolph and that quarterback carousel, as I said, with Big Ben, the only place to go is up. So let's move on here to the Ravens, who, in your words, are going to have a closer race with the Steelers 
than I would think. Why do you see it being such a close race? I I can't give you a distinct answer in terms of one reason looking at their offense and defense because, I mean, they got better. Calais Campbell, J.K. Dobbins, two guys who could immediately become difference makers on this team. I mean, this team got better than they were before. I can't look at a single point on this team and say, oh my god, you know, they need to improve. That's a big hole for them. And I can't pinpoint why, but I'm sorry to Lamar Jackson. I mean, I slept on him a lot in the past, but I think the defenses will start to figure him out a little bit more this year. Do I think it's going to slow him down immensely to the point, you know, he has a huge drop-off? No. I think that Lamar Jackson is still going to play high-level football, and I think this team will still win the division and still compete to win the AFC and maybe go to the Super Bowl. But I think that Lamar Jackson's hype has been slightly not entirely because he is still an incredibly talented quarterback and one of the best in my opinion right now but I think that it's been slightly overblown in terms of how much he can do for this team because at the same time this team in my opinion doesn't have a clear-cut number one receiver Marquise Brown consistently gets hurt Willie Sneed he's a good veteran but he's not going to be the you know kill you with his speed back I mean Miles Boykin I mean I just can't pinpoint a one receiver other than, and Mark Andrews is a tight end, Mark Andrews being his top target, unless Marquise Brown's healthy. I love the defense a lot, but I think Lamar Jackson takes a step back, so I have them at 11-5, and five, being one game ahead of the Pittsburgh Steelers. How about you, Brendan? I have them at 13-3. and three. I mean, you spoke about their weaknesses at receiver, but don't forget, this team is built around the run. And you have one of the most dynamic mobile quarterbacks we've ever seen, along with Mark Ingram. And now you add rookie running back J.K. Dobbins to that mix. I mean, this running group is ridiculous. And I don't think there's any doubt that they're going to be the number one offense in the NFL in terms of rushing yards. Um, but yeah, I mean, the receivers is a problem. They do have Mark Andrews at tight end, but someone's going to have to step up a receiver. I know there were those talks a while back about, oh, the Ravens are going to sign Antonio Brown. Is Antonio Brown going to sign with the Ravens? That's not happening. So other people are going to have to step up and really make a name for themselves and really make themselves a reliable option for Lamar Jackson when he does indeed throw the ball downfield. So since this team is built around the run, Lamar Jackson's going to be doing that again, and he's going to be doing that successfully, I, I believe, again. He led them to a 14-2 and record last year. He won MVP. Do you see Lamar Jackson again pushing for MVP? Because you seemed a little bit down on him. Not like you were saying he's going to have a bad year. But you said it made it seem like you thought he was going to regress a little bit. So do you see him being the MVP again? Or do you see him Um, being pushed by someone else like a Patrick Mahomes or a sleeper here? I think that he is going to get pushed by Patrick Mahomes or a sleeper. I think he's going to be in contention. I think Mahomes... My bold prediction, I said it in the Cardinals episode, I think maybe Kyler Murray could push him as well for it, but I think that Lamar is still going to be in contention for it, but I think that at this point, Lamar, I think he'll slightly regress, not a lot. I mean, if you also look at something that's big to me that I do like about Lamar Jackson, because I'm not going to sit here and bash him. I mean, he had 36 touchdowns last year, he led the league in passing touchdowns, and running, he was that much better. So, in terms of passing, I'm just talking strictly as a passer. 
66.1 completion percentage is very impressive to me in my opinion because if you look at like what cam newton was doing when we had an, analyzed him when we talked about the afc east he struggled to stay at around 60 percent and if he did that was when he was playing his best football so if you look at lamar jackson from an analytical standpoint throwing 66.1 completion percentage was a big jump also from his year one kind of stint he also only threw six picks that's very very good Lamar Jackson was consistent as a passer and a rusher last year. So yes, I think he'll be in the MVP conversation, but I do think he's going to need a number one wide receiver to elevate him a little more at some point. Maybe not this year. Maybe it's Marquise Brown that steps up. So I want to float you this hypothetical here. And yes, they are a running team. And I think J.K. Dobbins is going to elevate that immensely, even more than they already were. So I want to float you a hypothetical here, because what else do we have to do with football still a month and a half or so away? If Antonio Brown signs with this team, how high does that elevate this team in your eyes in terms of their offense, which is already very, very good? I don't think it elevates them really? at all. I think, yeah, I mean, Antonio Brown, I mean, I don't think he's going to sign there. I don't see him playing this season, let alone playing ever again. But he was a very good receiver when he played, one of the best in the league, arguably the best, but he's been out for a while. And, you know, as we said, and as everyone sees, they are a running team. And Antonio Brown is a diva. Antonio Brown, like many receivers, want the ball in their hands as much as possible, like a Michael Thomas gets targeted, what, 50 times a game? I mean, Antonio Brown wants the ball in his hands, and that's not the way this team is built. So I think Antonio Brown, his production would be nowhere near what he did in Pittsburgh. And he wouldn't even be among the top receivers in the NFL production-wise. So I don't think a player like Antonio Brown would really change and elevate this team that much simply because of the way that this offense is built. If this was a passing team, oh yeah, he'd elevate this team. But a running team, no, because he's not going to help out in the running game at all. So I don't see that being any sort of elevation for that team as a hypothetical. And wide receiver, though... They did lose Seth Roberts, so that is a loss that's going to hurt them. But, I mean, if you're talking about offensive player to watch, it's got to be Lamar, right? I mean, I can't think of another player here that's really going to be a player to watch in this. I mean, I'm sure you're going to have a, a sleeper guy here, a guy that, you know, the uh, casual fan wouldn't necessarily know. So I'll leave it open to you here. Other than Lamar Jackson, who is your player to watch? I, it's hard not to go with Lamar Jackson. I completely agree with you here. But I am going to kind of highlight J.K. Dobbins here because you've lauded this team for how good of a rushing attack they have, and I feel like it's only going to get that much better with J.K. Dobbins. I was incredibly high on him coming out of the draft this year. I thought that he was one of the top backs in this draft class, and I still think he is going to be one of the top backs when you look back on it because he's a patient runner. He reminds me so much of Le'Veon Bell. And I think that that's kind of the impact he could have immediately year one. And if you look at the New Orleans Saints team when Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara were together, Mark Ingram played his best football when next to Alvin Kamara. Yes, his numbers decreased slightly because they were competing for, and well, they were sharing reps, but they were competing and it brought Mark Ingram to a higher level. With that said, yes, he had a great year last year. He is a great back. But I think that J.K. Dobbins gives them a different layer. If you look at their other backs, you know, Gus Edwards has been their other kind of guy if Mark Ingram's not been 
healthy or if they've been trying to lighten his load a little bit, he's been the other guy. He is also kind of the churner-outer of yards. But if you look at J.K. Dobbins, he can be a receiving back. And in terms of a two-back set, you talk, we talked about it a little bit with the Colts last week in Jonathan Taylor and Marlon Mack and Naheem Hines. You know, the three of them could be used in different ways together. But you can also use J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram predominantly together. And I think that's going to elevate the rushing attack as a whole, elevate things for Lamar Jackson, and elevate this offense to a higher level to make up for, yes, not having a number one receiver. So do I think 11-5 and five for how much I just lauded their offense is fair? Yes, because I think they could exceed it. But J.K. Dobbins is my player to watch because I think that he is going to elevate this offense all the more. Yeah, and it's funny. The Ravens, I believe, were the only team this season to be favored in every single one of their games. So going to have to be five upsets if they're going to have your record prediction here. So you spoke about J.K. Dobbins and Mark Ingram. How big of a split do you think there's going to be between touches for these two running I backs? think you're going to see, and kind of going back, yes, again, to the Saints when Alvin Kamara showed up, you're going to see kind of a split in terms of that where Mark Ingram's still going to be the bell cow. He's still going to be the guy who you count on. But at some point during the season, kind of like what I talked about, again, with the Colts, you're going to see J.K. Dobbins kind of emerge a little more into that receiving back role and lead rusher because I think that that's kind of why he was drafted, to add an extra layer to that rushing attack. And Mark Ingram's 30. And in terms of rushing the football, yes, he's still at a very high level. But at some point, he is going to decrease in terms of production. And J.K. Dobbins could make up for that and eventually, potentially, take over as the lead back. So I think that that's going to kind of be the similar scenario to what it was in New Orleans where they're going to split reps, but Ingram's predominantly going to have the most set initially. But at some point, I think it'll get a little more like 60-40 than like a 70-30 or an 80-20. So that's my kind of view on that. Kind of shifting to the defense here, though, I want to know, because I know there's a lot of guys on this that you probably like. Who, I mean, this defense is loaded, Brendan. Who is your guy to watch on defense? I'm going to go with Patrick Queen. The rookie linebacker out of LSU. It seems like every rookie's out of LSU, man. But Patrick Queen out of LSU, he was very good for LSU, and he's going to be kind of thrown into one of the starting linebacker roles right away because they lost C.J. Mosley in the past couple seasons, and now Patrick Onwasar is also gone. So Patrick Queen is going to have a big role in the middle of this defense, and I just love the way he plays, man. I mean, Patrick Queen is a very versatile player who is listed as a linebacker, but he can move anywhere, it seems. And I'm just very excited to see what he brings to this defense. He's going to bring a tenacity, and he's going to bring a quickness to this defense that's really going to elevate them. So which slept-on player do you have here? I, I'm i going to stick with a slept-on player here because there's so many guys, like I just said, you could target on this defense because there isn't a spot on this defense that I don't like. I like every player, genuinely, on this defense so shouts to the Ravens for that because they have done an incredible job building this defense and really building this team as a whole but you asked for a slept on player I'm going to go with a rookie Justin Matubuke probably butchered his last name but he was my third defensive tackle I thought he was one of the top guys I watched a lot of his tape and lead up to my rankings prior to the draft and I liked a lot what he could bring to the table as a nose tackle And looking at this defense, that's the only real spot you could look at as a flaw. I mean, that defensive line, Brandon Williams, he's very good at nose tackle, but he is not productive to the level you'd want, and he's 31. 
I mean, 34 tackles last year isn't what you'd love out of a nose tackle, and he's kind of decreased in terms of production, but I think that Justin Matabuke will take over for him as a nose tackle pretty quickly and kind of stake his role on the team that way and make the defense all the more better. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be definitely a nice defense. So do you you said you have them at 11-5. and five. Do you see them getting to the Super Bowl, or do you see them with another early postseason exit that's going to be disappointing? Well, this is my reason I'm slept on Lamar Jackson the most, is because it seems like in the postseason, he plays different football. I just lauded him for a 66.1 completion percentage, but then looking at his playoff record, I mean, he was a different quarterback against the Titans in the playoffs. And I just think that that kind of stage might still be a little too big for him and i think that maybe next year and i for the sake of football i actually do hope lamar jackson proves me wrong again because last season i was very low on him and then he put up incredible numbers i do think though that that stage might still be a little too big for him but i hope next season he does take a step Okay, so one more time, Dylan. Let's go through for the uh, listeners here. What are your record predictions? So for, for the Cincinnati Bengals, I have them in last place. Sorry, Cincinnati at 6-10, and 10, though. But be happy, Bengals fans, because that's a pretty big jump from last year. Yes, yeah, and Zach Taylor, I do think, could be the right guy to lead this team. So look out for his relationship with Burrow. Browns at 7-9. and nine. I'm kind of low on them. I talked about it a little bit. I don't know if I gave the prediction initially. But I don't love the team. And I think that it's going to take another year maybe to grow all together. But I don't know. I just don't love the team. I didn't really love the hire head coach. Sorry, Browns fans. Steelers, though, I know you guys are going to be happy listening to this Steelers fans. 10-6, and six, and I think you guys come in second in the division and are the wild card contenders and probably going to make a little bit of noise in the playoffs. And then Ravens, 11-5, and five, but that could be so much higher. That could be another 14-2, and 13-3 type of season. So... Those are my predictions. How about you, Brendan? Yeah, I like all of those predictions except for the Ravens. I have them at 13-3. and three. Everything else sounds good, but I just want to make a quick point here. You said, yeah, there's going to be an improvement for the Bengals, but 6-10 and 10 and coming in last is still... It's, it's going to be hard for this team to have a rookie quarterback and not finish in last. It's going to be hard because every team in this division can win games. It's not like you're going to go 6-10 and 10 and finish 2nd or 3rd in the division. 6-10 and 10 can very easily be last in the division. I mean, 7-9 and nine can also be last in the division with the Browns going 8-8 eight and eight and the Steelers going 10-6 and six or 9-7. and seven. I mean, it's going to be hard for them not to finish in last, but I think 6-10 and 10 would be a great starting point for that team with Joe Burrow going forward. So, Dylan, that does it for us in our tour of NFL divisions. I don't know about you, man, but I like going through all the different divisions and seeing what everyone has to look forward to this upcoming season. In the future, though, all you listeners can look forward to us having some pretty cool guests in the near future in the next coming weeks. So look out for that. That does it for us here on this episode of Fireside Football. Thanks for joining us.